You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, getting you ready for week seven and those Indianapolis Colts coming off a bye. The 49ers are rested and should be ready to go, but uh, still some injuries and actually names popping up during the bye week that weren't on the injury list before that are now on the injury list. So we got to get into some of these things. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. This episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center McDonald's. I'm loving it. All right. Let's get into this injury report, Croc, because uh, there's a name on there that I do not like seeing on the injury list, and that is Trent Williams. Trent Williams coming down with a sprained ankle, not practicing yet this week as of Thursday. There is still one more practice Friday. They say it's probably not serious, but they're not sure exactly the extent. And uh, it's a little bit worrisome because he's a pretty important player, especially with some of the guys he has to block, namely DeForest Buckner on the other side. Well, I think aside from DeForest Buckner, they're a little slim on that defensive line. So if there is one game where he had to miss, and, you know, hopefully DeForest Buckner, I'm like, hey, just – DeForest Buckner lined up over Lakin Tomlinson just all game. Yeah, that would and be I, best I'll take my for chances everybody. with that. But <laughs> don't line them up over anyone else because I think uh, we'll be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, that that could, that could be a rough one. And I, I think some of those things will come up in our keys to victory on today's show. Croc and I have numerous keys to victory for the 49ers to come out of the bye here with a victory and uh, get back to 500 in their quest to make some noise in the West and, and get back into the playoff race here. I've already dropped a couple games behind some of those teams in the West with those Rams and Cardinals doing big things so far this season. And yeah, dude, the, the, the Indianapolis Colts injury report is longer than the 49ers. That's for sure. So the 49ers still in pretty good shape. You hope you get Trent Williams back. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo limited in practice, looking like he's going to be in good shape with Trey Lance, not practicing at all. I think that, you know, the writing's on the wall. I think we already knew if Jimmy practiced, he was going to play and he was going to be the guy. So Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, primed to get the start here in week seven. The question will be if Trey Lance can even uh, suit up at all or if they'll have to go with uh, Nate Sudfeld and bring him up off the practice squad to be QB2 Sunday night. Javon hey, Kinlaw. Real quick, speaking yeah. of injuries, and you talked about the Colts having a long injury list right now. Yeah. Julian Blackman. That's uh, a towards huge Achilles, one. he's done. Yeah, Achilles. Uh, he's the best player in their secondary, and, and yeah. he's gone. He's Achilles injury done for the year, just like that. I, I got a question for you, all right, because we've seen some of these uh, secondaries kind of be depleted, and then they play against the 49ers, and all of a sudden, they look like goddamn <laughs> Legion of Boom. So, do you think that it matters that they are missing Julian Blackman? Because so far, it seems to me like the 49ers haven't been able to take advantage of teams with bad secondaries. I think yes, because... The Jimmy G 49ers attack the middle of the field a little bit, maybe not so much deep in the free safety zone, but middle of the field, you know, um, and, and when Kyle Shanahan likes to dial up shots, he likes to dial up that play that hits the seam too. So we'll see. Um, Andrew Sandejo, another safety is in concussion protocol. He's been limited all week. Uh, and we, we, heard I think from- we want him to play though. Well, yeah, I think that's not a problem if he's on the field. But, I mean, you know, if he's starting and banged up and then you got Julian Blackman out, I mean, that bodes well for the 49ers. And we already heard about how 
bad the secondary has been and, and uh, very few players playing at a high level aside from their their nickel corner there with our conversation with Evan yesterday from Locked on Colts in that crossover. So look, it's an area the 49ers are going to have to take advantage of. Uh, but will weather permit it too? It might not be that style of game, which could help mask the loss of someone like Julian Blackman for the Colts. Have the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan ever taken advantage of a poor secondary? I feel like, you know, we, we play in these games and, oh, it's like, oh, this corner's out. And and you would think, like, what they do against the 49ers or even other teams you watch on TV is like, oh, that's a first-year starter or that's a new guy. Let's attack him. Yeah. I feel like the 49ers don't do that. Is it me or is everything just predicated on the scheme and not yeah. really attacking a liability on, on the defense aside from uh, – it, it seems like the liabilities that they attack are – designed plays to put a player in conflict right so he'll run certain concepts to put a linebacker in a bind but it doesn't seem like he's someone to just say you know what i have debo samuel their corners are bad i'm going to attack their sec or or is it that the 49ers just don't have that type of receiver to to do that i you know I, i was just thinking about it today and i'm just like i've never seen the 49ers do that we're just like let me just pick on this cornerback because he's not good we don't do that it's a good question and I can't think of a time where and there's definitely been times on the 49ers defense where the other team did that and saw say hey look this guy's got a target on his back target number 27 or whatever you know um and I I I think Kyle Shanahan sometimes I think he would benefit from it maybe that's something over the bye that he did and I think that's what we saw early on with Jimmy G in 2017 he was forced to simplify and we haven't really seen a better version of Jimmy G than that, you know, with Kyle Shanahan's full playbook at his disposal. It was just like, okay, what's the read? One, two, three, who's open? Let's go play football and, and simplify things. And I think in some ways it would probably benefit Kyle Shanahan because, like, his scheme is awesome and he's a really good coordinator and he can dial some things up, but he shouldn't always have to focus on that. If there's something free on the other side, simplify and be like, look, let's just go at this until they can stop it. I think what it is, and this definitely wasn't one of the keys to victory. Maybe it should have been, but mm-hmm. I think what it is is he he focuses, and I I say this about high school coaches, right? High school coaches they want to run their scheme so bad, like it's just like oh my scheme, my scheme, and regardless of what this other defense is doing and what might you know, it's like oh man, this guy's just clearly a weakness. Like look at this corner. I, I I'm looking from the stands. Look at this corner. He's at five yards off. And flat-footed. There's no way he could run with this receiver that we have vertically. Just throw the go route. It's really that simple. And I think Kyle Shanahan almost makes it more difficult. And I get it. His scheme is terrific. It's the outside zone. He wants to work that and then work the play action off that. Get linebackers come up. Hit those big gaping areas behind it. But I do think sometimes because he likes to play like that so much, if they kind of take that away, it makes it a little bit more difficult and more cluttered for the offense instead of just simplifying things and doing what – I get it. Maybe we don't have a Devontae Adams, but when I watch the, the Packers and Devontae Adams, it's just like, my guy is better than your guy, and I'm going to get the ball in his hand. If you're eight yards off, I'm throwing the smoke pass right now. Boom, mm-hmm. get it out to his hands. Let him run for eight yards. If if you're if you're at the line of scrimmage, okay, we're going to run a goal route. We're going to do that. If you have double coverage, then – I mean, it's just like everything kind of works off of him, and I, and I get it. Kyle wants to work off of this game, but it's like you do have terrific weapons. And I feel like the 49ers don't utilize them in, in that way, especially outside the numbers. That, that's just something that I've really kind of noticed. And, and me talking about it right now, I'm just like, gosh, I he think, makes it way more difficult 
even though it should be simple because of this game. And I think part of it is is the continuity on offense too. Whether it's injured quarterback in and out of the lineup, uh, uh, just a number of different receivers that have come through the last four or five years, and you don't have that thing where Aaron Rodgers can look over at Devontae Adams on the uh, you know that's lined up wide left, and they just give each other a look, and they know. You don't really yeah. have that really either to lean on and years of experience together. So that's something I think that could grow in the 49ers offense for sure. You just got to get those playmakers that are on the field together for a long time. And, and real quick, and I know we're getting into it, but when I talk about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I do want to say Devontae Adams that we said today was not Devontae Adams year one, year two, year three. No doubt. It really took until like year four, year five for Devontae Adams to really get going. So, you know, you're talking about kind of the continuity that they built over the years and being on the same page, maybe that's what, you know, but hey, get Trey Lance out there, man, so we can start building that rapport with our guy Debo and make Debo the long-term guy and continue to work off him. Ayuk, man, come on, Ayuk, yeah. get going. And, and even Debo, like how many games have Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel both been healthy for the full game together in the NFL? Mm. I mean, Not that many. 2019, a, a good amount. 2020, not Both so of them were much. Hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, cause Debo was hurt to start the year. Remember, he missed the first four weeks or whatever it yeah. was. Uh, Jimmy got hurt then, in week uh, two. Jimmy got hurt in that time. Jimmy came back against the Dolphins. Debo played cre- against the Dolphins, but it was so bad. Yeah. And, and Jimmy wasn't ready. And, and that was like crazy gadget version of Debo, right? They were, it was um, negative air yards. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> well, that game, I don't even know if he had a catch. It was it was bad. But then he did go off and had the negative air yards against the Rams, mm, where mm. he had like 100 yards or yeah. something, but no air yards. But then after that, again, it, you know, uh, uh, Jimmy ended up getting hurt or, you know, something like that. So Or mm. Debo yeah. got hurt against the, and I think it was the next game, against the Patriots. First play, didn't he run like a sweep, a jet sweep? No. No, he didn't get hurt against the Patriots. Because I remember when he ran ran the dude over on the sideline, then was like, this dude, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I'm going off on it. No, but yeah, but but seriously, so like they don't, that that's the number one connection right now with the 49ers. That's the offense is Jimmy and Debo. Uh, they haven't even played that much together. So, and they've been multiple, multiple seasons now together. So yeah, that's something that could absolutely grow with the 49ers. All right. A few more notes from the injury report and our keys to victory for week seven for those 49ers to beat the Colts coming up. Bet online is back and better than ever. A new web interface to start the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. And of course, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the football action this weekend and this entire season, along with the NBA and NHL starting up. And you still got baseball playoffs going on, college football. Get involved in all of it and head over to Bet Online's new updated desktop or mobile websites. To sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. Not only football, basketball, baseball, hockey, there's boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers, news, sports, at Bet Online available for the 2021 season. Promo code locked on to receive that welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. How about this one, Croc? And Kyle Shanahan talking about it earlier on in the week, a little bit more clarity what's going on with Javon Kinlaw 
and he had a, a setback with his original surgery and they're a little bit worried about the knee and now he's not practicing, probably won't play Sunday. What's going on with Javon Kinlaw? It just makes the whole DeForest Buckner thing worse, right? It makes it worse. And it's tough because, you know, I already started off kind of being negative Nancy a little bit, talking about this game and not taking advantage of secondaries. And then you bring up Ken Law and the injury. And now I'm getting all worked up again <laughs> because I was thinking about it and I was talking through the whole DeForest Buckner situation. And one, it did not initially make sense to me. People said, well, they got cheaper. They were able to sign a couple other guys. Like, all right. I didn't know the extent of this arthritic knee or whatever Ken Law has going on. And they're trying to gloss over it like, oh, just something. Oh, he got hurt last year. Or, uh, you know, it's like, no, he's had an issue with his knee. I remember Grant Cohn was talking about it and everybody kind of gave Grant Cohn crap for saying it. But Grant Cohn was like, <laughs> between Kinlaw and D Ford, they only have two healthy knees. And he said that over a year ago. And he's right. I mean, and, and that's an issue. It's still plaguing him to this day. And if you whiff on that, you traded DeForest Buckner. For the 13th overall pick to replace him, which it never made sense to me. I was screaming, put Armstead there. Put Armstead there. Yep. And that would have made more sense to me where you have Armstead, you got Bosa, you got Jones and Ford. And I think that's solid. Find and some then more. You at know, pick 14, you got a wide receiver that might be Lamb. better than ID than Iuke right now, right? Right. CD Lamb, which was that's who I said they should get. Now again, I like Iuke and I'm waiting for him to turn it on. But CD Lamb, that was my guy. And then again, my, my boy told me, he said, if Ayuk was as good as you say he is, then there's no way that he would be in the doghouse. No way. I, I, I can't get that out of my head that he said that. It kind of makes a little sense. But the trade, man, I mean, it, it makes it worse when the guy that you picked 13th overall is dealing with these issues and you drafted him with these issues knowing your team already has a history of injury issues. Yeah, and, and we're going to have to spend a little bit of time on this, I think, because we haven't fully gone into it, and we can kind of close the book on it because that's a lot of the conversation this week. And one of my keys to victory is block DeForest Buckner. That's huge. That's yeah. the best player on that defense, especially with Julian uh, Blackman out, uh, a couple other players on that defense. Even the Darius Leonard is is probably you know the, the best player, A and B, with, uh, with DeForest Buckner, a linebacker. He's been limited in practice. I think he'll probably play. But uh, that's where they're strong, over the middle of the field. And uh, the 49ers have struggled aside from, uh, I mean, Tomlinson, you said it earlier, Thompson, Tomlinson's been doing a good job. You know, so it's, 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 it basically just gets from, from best to worst when you go left to right on the 49ers offensive line right now. You know what I mean? That's kind of how things have gone. Um, but with the DeForest Buckner thing, and look, this, let me, because I don't, this is why I do the Shadow 49ers draft stuff, because hindsight in the draft and, and all of those things, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's hard to remember what it's like and get your mind back at the time. So that's why I always want to document these things at the time. And, and I went back because I wanted to remember, because I remember being like, wow, I liked Kinlaw, first round guy, but I didn't like him for the 49ers, didn't like him there. I want to go back. And you to had him at the 14th best prospect. He was my 14th was guy, and he was drafted 14. And actually, I had Ayuk at 30 or 31, which is exactly where the 49ers were. So I almost had Ayuk and Kinlaw at the exact spots that the 49ers were drafting in originally before moving around. Um, the, the thing is, is, I had Kinlaw behind Wirfs, Lamb, and Judy. Those are the three guys I had still ahead. And there might have been somebody else on the board that was still. But those three guys were my top three guys left. And especially knowing, that's the other thing, knowing Joe Staley was retiring and they didn't draft Tristan Wirfs at 13. 
and and they and they did that trade down that was that was a ballsy move by the 49ers unless they know more than 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 they let on about knowing that they were going to be able to get Trent Williams because that wasn't a done deal yet um but anyways here's what I tweeted out about Javon Kinlaw April 17th 2020 so this is a few weeks before the draft I'm all the way out on Kinlaw at 13 defensive tackle isn't the position to spend this high-end resource on a uh, Kinlaw is a flash player with a killer highlight film, but the consistency isn't there. Add injury, injury, plural, S plural in parentheses, and he had to lose 40 pounds to get to his current playing weight, offensive tackle or wide receiver at 13. This is before the draft. So um, it's not hindsight to say that I didn't feel like this was the way to go for Kinlaw and replace Buckner with Kinlaw and he was a fine prospect he wasn't the right pick at the time uh, he still hasn't been the right pick and the injuries were there from college this isn't a new thing that showed up with the 49ers where he got hurt all of a sudden and you couldn't have known if I knew on April 17th 2020 the 49ers knew uh, it's it's turning out not to be a great pick for the 49ers there and um, yeah so Worfs, Lamb and I think Judy's still going to be awesome, but obviously he's gotten hurt again this year. And so, you know, it's not like he's been better than Ayuk in his career so far. Go ahead. So so I have my tweet from right before the 49ers picked at 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I said, if the 49ers pick at 14, I think it's CeeDee Lamb. I said, would it be shocked if they traded back again, though? But that's who I, I, I was like, oh, CeeDee Lamb. And... I tweeted that out. So that wasn't, that's not, again, again that's not a hindsight, no hindsight thing. That's what I was thinking they were going. And I, he was my wide receiver one from that class. And uh, they, they, they went with the guy with the knee that's still trying to recover. They're and, saying it's something that happened last year. I think it's something that happened in college. Right. And so we were on to something that, that was the plan. Um, the, the plan was they wanted to be big and bad at D tackle. And I get that, but you have Armstead still there. And you had Solomon Thomas. You had these tweener guys, you know, these end, big end D tackles. And there wasn't that much different coming out of college between Armstead and, and DeForest Buckner, 290, six, seven big guys, you know. It's just that one guy kind of started playing end more and they asked him to lose weight. And De- Buckner, when they went to the 4 3, kind of just stayed a tackle and they got asked him to gain weight. But Armstead could have absolutely been that three tech, left him inside the whole time. That's or, what I- and, and then and then but they needed end they needed that edge presence too especially with the injuries to um to D Ford so that's what that's what should have been the plan is let's get more edge pass rushers and then let's utilize the talent we already have inside and the depth we have inside have DJ Jones Eric Armstead inside and then make sure we go get some playmakers on offense and I look and, and drafting wide receivers in the first round isn't maybe the best thing to always do if the right guy's there you, you make the pick but there's really good players in the second round the third round too so the other part of it is you don't need to trade up for that guy either so they traded back they got an extra pick cool draft that playmaker draft that that best player there and allow your other players to succeed and uh, replace trying to one for one replace the defensive tackle that you just lost in Buckner was bad because that. it was it was almost never going to work because you're almost guaranteed and you're getting worse there. Right, and with who Armstead is, we know Arm- Armstead is a good football player. He's a good football player now. He's actually having a terrific season. He's playing well, yeah. But I would have liked the okay. We have Armstead. He is good. We saved some money with him. Okay, plug him into that three tech spot. You know, like it. It never made sense to me. Well, again, that people after the tweet, because I didn't like it. I didn't like the the the, the Kinlaw pick. But people were like, well, 49ers got cheaper. 
um, at the position, you know, they trade. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't like the thought behind it. And that was with me not even knowing about the knee injury, the, the tendonitis or the, the arthritic, arthritic knee that Ken Law had. If I would have known that at the time, then I probably would have been outraged when, when the pick, pick was made. Yeah. Tough. Trying to make sense of it. Hopefully they can salvage this situation some way. And I, and I hope Ken Law becomes a really good football player. But I think, and a lot of people, I think you touched on it. I listened to you during this time. Other people touched on it as well. It was kind of never fair to kind of put Ken Law in that situation where you're just play for player for player, yeah. the replacement for DeForest Buckner, who had been such a terrific player for the 49ers. And everything that the 49ers want in their players, like he said, terrific on the field, terrific off the field, always healthy. Always healthy. That's the big the one. The leader. I mean, everything, the mindset, everything that you want in your player, young, everything. He was all of that. Just wanted a little bit of money. And I, and I feel like the 49ers were like, well, and I heard Kyle say this the other day. And again, this is all hindsight. You probably, guys probably only want to hear this. But I heard Kyle say it the other day, where it's like, well, if we would have kept him, we wouldn't have been able to keep like Ward and Armstead. And it's like, but they're not Buckner. So let them go. Who cares? Don't right. That's again, I've seen that and I've seen a lot on Twitter. Rob here on Twitter says the 49ers could have kept Defoe and wouldn't have been able to sign Armstead, wouldn't have Kinlaw for sure, and probably would have been only able to resign one of Warner, Williams, and Kittle. Ward would be gone as well. You need 22 nah. players plus special teams. And it's like, no, because look, and look, there's not, I think uh, Armstead got 19 million. So, yeah, so how many players you know, are you going to? The how only many, number that matters is the guarantee money. Right, yeah. But, like, how many players are you going to sign there between what Armstead got and what DeForest Buckner got, too? So it, I think it, th I think there was a four-year difference. I think he got – I think Armstead maybe got 17 a year. Okay. It was a, it was about $4 million difference per year. Right, but that's not Warner, Kittle, Ward, all those guys in no. that difference, right? So Warner and, and Kittle would have still – they would have been signed. It's probably Armstead and Ward. And, look, maybe – and I like Ward, but – at that time, too, who Ward was, Ward hadn't even played as well as he ended up playing after that, right? Uh, well, I guess 2019 was his Super best Bowl year. He played well. 2019 was his best year. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, like, you know, I don't know. Ward is, Ward is fine, but Buckner is Ward Buckner. is replaceable. Right. I mean, okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, though. Ward is really good. He's really good. And he's very versatile. And I think a lot of things that he's able to do, I think in theory, he really is kind of a top five, top 10 safety for sure. He doesn't take the ball away. So that's a big uh, ding, in my opinion. Like, you know, how you talk about PFF and how they do like the plus minuses. And you could put a bunch of pluses on, on for Ward. The minus is a big minus because there are just not the takeaways. And I feel like when you're a safety and you're out there and you're roving and you're doing those things and baiting guys, I need you to make some plays. And I think that's where he's limited. Now, coverage, he's terrific. And he'll be really good at man coverage on any type of receiver. But I think in the sense of what well, I can't miss, like if you were a guy that was impacting the game from a takeaway perspective, then it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to lose that. But you're not losing that. You're just losing a good coverage guy. And I feel like I can somewhat replace that or manufacture replacing that as opposed to being able to just point blank replace DeForest Buckner and his production. All right, I think we've covered this DeForest Buckner stuff as much as we should, should at this yeah. point. Uh, we've got some <laughs> more keys to victory to get to as it pertains to the 49ers beating the Colts in Week 7 to finish up this week's pod.
This episode brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities. Since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come reconnect, a place where classmates meet up, study groups, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. And to be honest, when I think of McDonald's, it's the breakfast, right? The breakfast is my favorite part of McDonald's. Back in the day, it was all about fries and nuggets. But the McMuffin, McGriddle, always crowd pleasers. By the way, a tip from the Locked On DMs. Apparently, the way to go, you order a quarter pounder, but order it done like a Big Mac. I don't even know if that's legal, but it was suggested, so give it a shot. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or away team can come recharge. The place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say podcast Watch party? Yeah, you can check out this very podcast on that Wi-Fi at your local McDonald's. I'm loving it. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, flat out. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or really just hard to eat and, and choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, which can't go unnoticed. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one that you will enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are high in protein. They are low in calorie, low fat, low sugar, low carb. So many flavors. You can eat it at any time. Uh, if you skipped a, a lunch and you need a quick bite to eat or skipped breakfast, and that happens to me often, you need a pick-me-up in the afternoon, pre-workout, post-workout, at work, wherever you are, a Built Bar, throw it right in your bag, right in your pocket, and you are ready to go. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15, 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I still maintain, Croc, that in total, at the time, the money and the draft pick that the Colts gave up, I swear I think this is a lose-lose deal for both the 49ers. Because Buckner's good, but he's not going to do it all by himself. And to give up that first-round pick, as long as it would have been a good player, and we're hearing maybe that would have been actually Kinlaw, so maybe it did work out for them. Uh, because Kinlaw wouldn't have made an impact for them, but that's a lot to give an interior defensive lineman $22 million. It would cost the Niners less, remember. He was going to give the 49ers a discount. So the Niners would have paid less and didn't have to give up a first-round pick to get him on top of it, right? I mean, that's a lot to give up. Uh, You know, it's crazy. They didn't even try to meet him in the middle. Uh, It it hurts right now because they don't have the quarterback position solidified. Now, if Wentz ends up being good, and he's able to kind of carry it into some wins that I think uh, Buckner's, you know, really what they spent on him and his presence will probably be felt more. But when you are, you know, look at the Chiefs and what they have with their, you know, Chris Jones in the middle there. They can pay him whatever because around them, yeah, the defense isn't very good. But he's going to make enough plays to where you're going to feel his presence. He's tough to guard. He, he, he's going to bat down passes in, in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, right? And his quarterback is going to make enough plays to where no matter what's going on on defense, he's going to be able to cover up some of the deficiencies. So I think when you have that really good quarterback, 
it's okay to lose some defensive guys, but have a stout guy like a DeForest Buckner who's going to be the leader of that. And you're probably paying for that as well during that time. But uh, I think that's why it's it's it turns out to be more of a lose because it's like, well, I'm paying this guy all this money and he still can't affect the outcomes of the game because the quarterback situation is bad. Yeah, that makes or sense. Um, and I think affecting the quarterback is probably a key to victory in this game, right? For the 49ers. And maybe that'll help. Okay, Because I know you have a key. Let's go to your key because I think the key that I have and the key that you have first up on here on the defensive side of the ball is affect Carson Wentz. He's only thrown one pick this year, but we know there's more coming on deck because this guy will throw picks. So let's affect him, make him throw those interceptions, right? Right. So they, they've done a really good job of turning him into, quote-unquote, a game manager, not asking him to do a whole lot. You don't have to play hero ball like we saw him doing late in his time with the Philadelphia Eagles and ultimately what he was benched for. Uh, my, my first and really most important key to victory is take the ball away. 49ers need two takeaways. 49ers get two takeaways, they, they win. And they only have two on the year. And I think ultimately that has led to more losses. 49ers, the three games that they've lost in a row, all by one possession. Think about if the 49ers were able to take the ball away an extra time, an extra uh, possession in each game, and what that would do for the offense or maybe take points off the board from the other team. And, that, and So I think that's my first key to victory got to take the ball away. I think it's extremely important in this game. Turnovers. Turnovers going to be huge. And this game could be a weird one, right? Really wet, windy, rain. There could be not only interceptions, fumbles, that types of thing. Uh, are, are, are the Niners are already with their second kicker. Is the kicking game going to be affected by that weather too? Is this going to be a low-scoring game where a ball squirts out and that's the difference? So, um, yeah, winning the turnover battle, I think, will absolutely be huge. And, yeah, that 49ers defense needs to start taking the ball away, and that would really take some pressure off and, and give the offense a couple of extra possessions, which would be huge. Um, I have a key to victory here. It's tied into that weather, and that is stopping the run. Because if it comes down to that type of game, Croc, like uh, Quentin Nelson's coming back, Jonathan Taylor is this beastly, big, fast runner. I'm worried that if this is a wet, soggy, mud type of game, I don't know who the mudders are on the 49ers team, and sometimes you uh, you find out and it's a player that you didn't expect, but I've I am a little bit worried about the 49ers. Let's say Trent Williams doesn't play, right? If Trent Williams doesn't play and the 49ers are trying to go out there and be physical and and win this game up front and it and it comes down to okay, who's bigger and better up front? Like I'm worried about the 49ers a little bit in that regard just because of how big and bad the offensive line is for the Colts with their their running back in Jonathan Taylor. So, um winning that winning ugly essentially up front is going to be important for the Niners in this one. Right, definitely. And I think another key to victory is red zone defense. 49ers defense has been pretty good. Like, you know, uh, the, the, the secondary, I think they have like the fifth uh, highest coverage grade in all of the NFL. I think that would probably be surprising to a lot of people. But the red zone defense has been very poor. They have not been good there. So I think that would be a key. Like, don't just give up touchdowns when the team gets down there. Can you force some field goals mm -hmm. or even just take the ball away? Um, which kind of leads back to my first key to victory, but red zone defense, man, that's my that's my second key. 
I'm, I, I see a theme here with where I'm going. Yeah. Defense, <laughs> defense, man. Yeah, yeah, especially the secondary. Uh, my last key to victory here is, is Jimmy Garoppolo. Show us you're the guy. Show us why you're still the guy for Kyle Shanahan. Show us why you're the starting quarterback of this team, even though you're deemed up. Why are you the guy? Uh, especially if Trey Lance can go, right? Like, we need to see you. Make some big plays. Their secondary is banged up. Their star safety is out. Uh, their outside corners aren't playing great. You should be able to take advantage of this team outside, deep over the middle, however it is. Um, make some plays. Let, let's let's see you beat a secondary that is beatable, even if the weather's bad. Like, that would be awesome, right, for Jimmy G to come out of a bye, wet weather, in the wind, and he's making throws down the field and beating a bad secondary. That would be huge for Jimmy G and it'd be huge for the fan base and really uh, help end some of the, you know, some of the the problems, some of the the discontent right now around the fan base that are pointing their fingers at Jimmy, pointing their fingers at Kyle Shanahan. This offense needs to bounce back in a big way in week seven and they need to win this football game. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. You know, my last key to victory, Kyle Shanahan. You know, get in the rhythm. Find that identity, right? That's what the 49ers are searching for. And I think a game like this against the Indianapolis Colts, who, I mean, yeah, they have two wins. I think one was against, like, the Dolphins and the other one against the Texans. Now they can say the same thing for the 49ers. Like, hey, you guys beat the Eagles and you guys beat the Lions, all right? Right. But I think if the 49ers are going to get back on track and start to kind of find themselves, I think it's this is the type of game that you have to win and that you want to establish it in. And if you can kind of get in the rhythm from here, again, not to try to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, having – the Chicago Bears next and playing against a rookie uh, in Justin Fields. Can you, you know, continue to kind of get in that rhythm? And then I, I think you played the Arizona Cardinals again. So a uh, big time opportunity right now for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan to start getting a rhythm, find that identity. I think this is a game to do it. We're going to learn a lot more about the 49ers and Colts this weekend. Sunday night football, a prime timer should be a lot of fun at Levi's Stadium. Bring your garbage bag or your raincoat. And uh, this, yeah, let, let's see if the 49ers can bounce back because this is a really big one. You can't, you can't be two and four. You can't, you can't fall to two and four and be that many games behind some teams in your division. Croc and I will have it all covered for you Monday, post-game rapid react, breaking it all down for you. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here. Locked on 49ers. Peace. Feels great, baby.